Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Wahoo, Super Ninfrendos. It is episode 683 of Nintendo Voice Chat. We have a very wonder build episode for you today i couldn't resist doing that joke twice because this is the second take i am your host seth macy joined this week by jada every podcast griffin hey you should always make wonder puns uh ryan unlocking the keys on some cool electric vehicle mccaffrey well, well i know it i don't know what <laughs> talking about. 
<laughs> and of course, industry legend Cat Bailey. Woohoo! All right. <laughs> Before we jump into it, I just wanted to do a quick little show and tell of one of my new acquisitions to the uh, VHS collection that I have been growing like a madman because there's no value in them other than intrinsic value, uh, nostalgia value. But I got the um, the promotional VHS that they sent out to people to promote Donkey Kong Country back in, what is that, 1994? So I paid way too much for this but this will go right up next to my promotional majora's mask one which is actually has some value to it so anyway we're not here to talk about Donkey kong country we are here mr mccaffrey is here to tell us about super mario wonder ryan you reviewed this game i'm gonna go out on a limb here based on your score and say you enjoyed this game just a little yeah uh pulled rank as i do every now and again at IGN, <laughs> been here a long time. And I went to our reviews director, Dan Stapleton said, I wanna review the new Mario game. Cause there were like 6,000 games all coming out in October. And in fact, like 3,000 of those are out this week. Yes, so exactly. we, we had to, as an IGN team, divide and conquer. And so I, I put my, my, uh, my goal pole in the ground, if you will, yeah. uh, on nice. Super Mario Wonder early and said, you know what, that's, that's gonna be the one. Cause I, I was telling Kat before the show, like, like a lot of us, I grew up with Nintendo. I'm old enough where the original Nintendo is the first console I ever had, first console I ever played. The original Super Mario Brothers is the first video game that I ever remember playing. And I've just, I've been a Mario guy my whole life. I, uh, if you put me, if you, if you point the gun at me and say, Zelda or Mario, now, just choose, it's going to be Mario, like, without any hesitation. Ooh. Even though I still love Zelda. Sure, but sure, sure. sure. Why Mario uh, over Zelda? Yeah, Mario over Zelda for me. But, uh, and so it's been a good year for both, for both Zelda fans and Mario fans. Yeah. And yeah, I, I feel very uh, grateful to have had the opportunity here at IGN to, to, uh, to draw the longest straw and yeah. review Super Mario Brothers Wonder. And, and I, you know, I'd, I'd gone out to New York to preview it at Nintendo's first preview event a couple months ago or so. And, and even, I mean, I fell in love with it from the from the original unveiling at the Direct, like I think a lot of us did. It was just, just looking at this game, as you're doing now, if you're watching us on video, it is, like, it just the joy reverberates through the screen. Just, what, you don't even have to have the controller in your hand. I mean, it's, the, the, sure, the color palette's bright and vivid like it usually is with a Mario game, particularly a 2D Mario game. But the animations in this, uh, Nintendo, if you are listening, Give all of your animators a raise because <laughs> Jeremy Miyamoto listens every week. We, we know this. I week. should hope so. I should hope so. The, the animations <laughs> in this game are from the characters to the enemies to the worlds themselves. When the wonder effects start, you know, shifting and changing those worlds, the animations in this game are just sublime. And and from the jump, and and this held held strong through the entire end of the game. Uh, to the point where I did include it in my review, I just really feel like, with apologies to Yoshi's Island circa 1995, if there were a proper Super Mario World follow-up made in 2023, it's this. Like, it just, it feels, I like feel the connective tissue between those two games. Now, you don't, there's no Yoshi in this to ride. I mean, unless you're playing in multiplayer, and one player can play as Yoshi and another can be another character and you can ride Yoshi. But it's not like 
I don't mean it kind of in a literal direct, like this is a, this is a spiritual sequel to, to Super Mario World, but just from the, the feel, the vibe, the look, the, the way it plays, like it, it, that's the, the one that kept coming back to me. It was like, this just feels like a, a, a 21st century successor to Super Mario World in, in all the best of ways. Uh, but it is the wonder effects that, that make the game. Well, could you explain a little bit about the wonder effects? Absolutely. So the whole hook of this game, the reason it's named what it is, is you're so you're in the you're in the flower kingdom, not the mushroom kingdom, which itself is a strength of this game because you get to see a ton of new enemies that you've never seen in a Mario game before, which really adds a lot of freshness to it. Uh, and so you're out there to collect wonder seeds and to trigger these effects that change the worlds, which will in turn lead you to wonder seeds at the at the end of these sort of hallucination like. <laughs> situations i don't think nintendo would appreciate them being compared to hallucinations but uh, well, they always turn it off at this point uh, <laughs> <the episodes. laughs> but yeah it, it is uh you pick up a one you have to find the hidden wonder flower in the world so that's like doing the drug right <laughs> and then you, you go into the hallucination <laughs> and you the trippy thing happens and you get to the you know you get to the end of that trippy thing and there is a wonder seed waiting for you at the end of it and and those are kind of the, the the gateway currency in the sense that, you know, like stars in previous Mario games, you need to have a certain number of wonder seeds to unlock, you know, the junior the Bowser Jr. castle and then the 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 you know the Bowser battleship and, and that's the way to sort of progress through the game is to collect enough of the wonder seeds. But it's the wonder effects are different in every stage. They constantly surprised and delighted me. And it made me want to go back and play literally every single level and get oh, wow. every single one because I wanted to see. And I still haven't, by the way. I've still got some some hidden stuff I haven't haven't quite figured out how to unlock the access to. But yeah, there's there's just those wonder effects give you every reason to want to go back and and play every level. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Was like, how secret filled is this? Is it is it scratched? That because that's one of the things I've always loved about like mm -hmm. any Super Mario game is that it's just packed full of secrets. And I'm, I'm presuming that this follows the tradition and just surprises you with things that you maybe didn't expect. Yeah, it's like it, like the rich history of 2D Mario games. There's plenty in here that's hiding that you'll, so, you'll want to go find. Would you say, in your professional opinion here, uh, that this is sort of the new standard for 2D Mario? Unquestionably, yeah. Okay. This, is, this is the... You know, this is the next mainline 2D Mario game, and it it lives up to that. Um, right. I don't, like, I know you, you may not want to necessarily compare it to the 3D Mario games, but in the overall Mario, because I love both the 2D and 3D Marios, but in the overall Mario Pantheon, I don't think this is quite at Odyssey level for me, but it's it's a, absolutely a new gold standard for the 2D Marios, and it's it just made me so happy to play through the whole thing which is kind of the like if i were to boil down like give me the you know the the twitter friendly version of exactly what you like about mario games it's that's probably it is they make me happy when i play them that's that, that's really the, the crux of it that's ryan anyone could ask uh so in new super mario brothers i didn't care for the co-op mostly because i found it too chaotic and too distracting and yeah. I didn't think that it always meshed well with the 
fairly intricate platforming, especially as you got into later levels, it just became a little annoying. And I'm wondering, does Super Mario is Super Mario Wonder more of the same, or does it uh, kind of refine that a lot? I would say it's it it would not completely assuage all of your concerns in that department, but it is it is definitely refined. I would say that uh, you you don't physically bump into each other, so you're never going to like get in somebody's oh. way on a jump. Um, and the the online portion is is actually really seamless and for Nintendo like kind for of Nintendo. That, was, that was kind Ooh. of a surprise yeah like wait what they actually Still implemented this in a in a you know I I could the problem is we're recording this before the game is actually out and some people might see this so I can't just jump in and show you things that's why I'm just leaving the title screen up behind me but um, it's it's pretty easy and pretty seamless to do multiplayer both obviously locally or online um i played a couple of four player sessions that were set up with for media folks ahead of time and then i i played a a, a decent number of stages with my 12 year old daughter who does nice. love mario games and she chose nabbit without knowing that nabbit uh and, and the yoshis by the way are all the more, those are the more kid-friendly characters where they don't take damage. So um, they can just run into enemies and they'll kind of, you know, you'll, you'll blink, but you won't die. Or, or you know, so it's, so that kind of worked out where she just wanted to play as Nabbit and then Nabbit was kind of the more kid-friendly one anyway. Um, so we had a good time. Like there, and there were a couple times where she would kind of run ahead of me and I'd be like, wait, hang on, hold on. Um, so in terms of that, that chaos, the more players you throw at this, the higher the risk of that chaos that might might kind of annoy you from time to time or, or even potentially frustrate you. But they've definitely improved the multiplayer functionality and multiplayer details in this. Yeah. <laughs> what about difficulty? I, in your review, you said it wasn't as hard maybe as you were, as, as you were expecting? Yeah, there, there are. So the, the stages are rated like before you even jump into them, it will show you like one from one star difficulty up to five. And the fives are mostly, there's only one that I've still haven't, of the ones that I've unlocked, which isn't mm -hmm. to be fair all there. There are at least five more five star difficulty stages that I know for sure I haven't unlocked. And I don't want to give away anything, although you can probably guess what I'm kind of getting at there. But of the five-star difficulty stages that I've done, and there are some, you know, there aren't any in the early game, but as you get into the later worlds, they start to pop up a little bit. Um, they're all totally doable. There's one I'm stuck on where it it's requires, like, absolute precision speed platforming, and it's just one of those things where if you mess up <laughs> once, you're done. And so that that one, I know I can do it, which is the per it's like that perfect thing where I know I can do this. I just have to execute it properly. So I'm not throwing, you know, nothing's made me throw my controller at the, at the TV or anything like that. But it, overall, yeah. it does, I would say, skew a little, a little easier than, mm. than uh, maybe some of the, the later stuff in 3D Mario games can get. And that's, and, and you could, I guess you could interpret what I just said as a good thing or a bad thing. For me, I would have liked maybe a little more challenge in the, in the mm. back end of the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know we were talking about it yesterday, Ryan, and you said it was like 
the the harder stages were somewhat akin to super mario maker like the crazy crazier yeah. oh. uh, super mario maker stages so i think you know if fans of super mario maker are looking for that you'll at least get a taste of that uh, yeah that's probably like. a good way to describe it it's 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 not this is not in super mario maker territory What about badges? You make a really great uh, reference to the the amazing movie UHF with badges. We don't need no stinking badges. <laughs> but I want to know uh, what are they in 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 the game? So they are basically uh, equipable perks that you can you can equip one of them for any for each stage, and there are about two dozen of them total. Uh, in fact, I have all but one of them unlocked. Some of them you unlock through doing badge challenge stages where it is a stage specifically designed around that badge you have to use that badge on the stage and at the end of it your reward is you get to keep that badge to then use in any other stage you like and then uh, a number of them can be bought at little little mini shops uh in the game in fact there was i forget which world and it, it doesn't matter for spoiler reasons anyway i don't want to you know ruin it for anybody but there was Kind of after I'd finished the main, or either right at the end or after I'd finished the main quest and was going back and and trying to pick up some stuff that I I hadn't finished, I found a shop that had like four badges that I hadn't bought. I was like, oh okay, oh, wow. I'll just buy all of these right now, and that was kind of unsatisfying. I really, oh, okay. I re I wish every badge had a badge challenge stage mm. to to on in order to to access it rather than just purchasing some of them from the shops but yeah. there's active badges and there's passive badges and then there's some specialty ones that i won't necessarily ruin sure. for anybody but like a, an example of the passive badge is uh there is one called sensor that that comes around not early but not late maybe middle to latter third of the game where uh if you just equip that it will it will ping louder and faster, I guess not louder, but it'll ping faster as as you physically get closer to either a big purple coin or a wonder flower. So I use that to go back and find some of the, the wonder seeds, the one like the hidden wonder flower locations that I missed to then to then get some of the seeds that I missed. So okay. that's definitely handy for you know going back and, and doing some completionist stuff. Ryan, with the with using the sensor, how clever were some of these hidden? Like, and you know, like you know, you anytime you get like a sensor type thing in a game, sometimes like it's like, oh, how did I miss this? Was obvious, or sometimes it's like, yeah. how would I have ever found this without this? Like, where's it? I kind would of say, with that? With yeah, the, I would say most of them are not in the. I would have never found this without the without the uh, that badge territory. They're they're not super obvious always, but you know, so they're 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 decently hidden. But I think. My interpretation of it is that Nintendo ultimately does want you to find the Wonder Flowers to see the cool wonder effects that they made. So they're they're not necessarily all easy to find, but they're not crazy difficult either. Sometimes they're hidden in like blocks or items. Sometimes they're hidden in enemies, and sometimes they're just in plain sight. So and, and or in or in you know semi secret areas have them sometimes too. So. It's a it's a mix of where they're located. Nice, Real Ryan. Quick, I just for the person who's uh, just hit submit on the comments. I understand that that quote isn't actually from UHF. <laughs> That's the joke. Yeah, <laughs> Cat, what were you cut saying? those off. Cat, what oh, were you saying? I was well. Okay, 
So when I think of Super Mario World and what makes Super Mario World special, I mean, I think aesthetic and flow and how joyful it is to play that game and how tight the controls are and the the number of secrets and how clever it is with areas like the ghost house and things like that. And when I think of how special what makes Super Mario Brothers 3 super special, I think of variety and I think of how tightly designed each of the levels are and the ways that it uses uh the sky in particular. Yeah. Um so I'm wondering what makes Super Mario Brothers Wonder special within the context of 2D Mario? What what makes it a 92 on Metacritic is what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, it's uh I, I would say it based on what you just laid out, which I totally agree with, by the way, and, and for the record, just for any for all of you uh, on the panel and any NVC listeners, for me, the greatest Super Mario game ever made is Super Mario Brothers 3. I'm a three guy. Whoa. Um some of you may are now like typing hateful comments that no Super Mario World. So you like stepped five. into like five. Yeah, you, you've stepped into a very friendly feud between Jada and oh, myself. I know. It's it's a thing, right? Which one? I saw um, your playlist and I was like, original Mario World. Well yeah, done. Well, you. That, that's the first video game. Like I was saying earlier, that's that was my entree into gaming. Period. Mm, that's that's so, they're, they're, I, I acknowledge the. I mean, it, it's just a, a personal list, so I'm allowed for it to be very like emotionally driven and and mm -hmm. very subjective rather than you know based on gameplay mechanics. But um, circling back to to your question, Kat, I, I thought you described sort of the specialness of three and the specialness of world really well, and I think Wonder does everything that you described that Super Mario World does. That is the best Super games. Mario game, you know. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's the best one. So uh, I guess there's no Tanuki suit, so therefore, uh, yeah, that's, that's the Tanuki the... suit is <laughs> Tanuki's great, but I like but Elephant feather. Mario is that so was gonna be... great. You said he is a dominant Shaq-like force in Super Bar Mario Brothers Wonder, which leads me to believe that he uh, does an advertisement for the general car insurance halfway oh, yeah. through the game. Okay. Yeah, Perfect. and Papa John's you... as well. He's, he's eating <laughs> and Papa frosted John's. flakes and then like <laughs> foot cream. Um, yeah, please, everybody wants to know about Elephant Mario. Please tell us about your experience with Elephant Mario. I I don't know where he came from. I don't know, like it. <laughs> I don't know how that. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in the initial planning meeting of like, what do we want to do for like special Mario power ups? And they they obviously when they landed on Elephant Mario. Which, uh, sort of as a related side note, when I did have the pleasure of going to preview the game in New York a month or so ago, a month or two ago, I also had the pleasure of interviewing the uh, director and producer of Wonder, which, which was a real privilege for me as somebody that really loves doing developer interviews as part of my job at IGN. And, uh, and it was extra special for me because, you know, as you all know, Nintendo doesn't put their their game developers their individual people out very often you know usually we're yeah. hearing from noa or you know for the treehouse people which is all well and good but it is a rare opportunity to get to to talk directly to the developers and uh they were they were telling a funny little anecdote about how 
I was asking, well, what, what was it like to get notes from Miyamoto on a Mario game? Like, that's got to be, there's maybe a little piece of that that I could see being intimidating, but it sounds yeah. like Miyamoto is like an absolute teddy bear and he's not, it's not intimidating for them at all. But uh, they were, they did say that the original design of Elephant Mario, that they were, they'd already decided they didn't like it and had decided they were going to redo it. But Miyamoto came by, saw that and was like, I don't. I don't like this design. So that was one kind of funny little story that uh, Miyamoto didn't like the original, the original design of Elephant Mario. But the one they landed on is absolutely adorable. Oh yeah. Um, he, he he squeezes into warp pipes because he's just giant. Uh, he when he crouches down, it's like trying to compress this massive creature into the smallest possible form so it's it's goofy and awkward looking when you crouch all the way down and you can take water in with your trunk and it like kind of is is ballooned up and then you can spray it at at flowers that sometimes will sprout vines that lead to secrets or you can just spray it on goombas and they'll be like ah and they'll just freak out for a second and give you a chance to stomp them and elephant mario yeah there's there's no explanation there's no rules about what well, the deal is but he's just awesome has there ever been any explanation for any of the no. power like why does a mushroom make mario big <laughs> why does mario turn into a cat right what yeah why, like the why does he have a thing for why is why fly why does mario keep putting on fursuits and how involved right. is he in the furry community yeah <laughs> like, so maybe he and sonic would get along extra well yeah. probably yeah. That's, that's why they're best a... buds and compete in the Olympics all the time together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I um. Oh, no, in real life they they are bros. Did you see the two part interview with the developers where they were talking about spitballing ideas and some of the ideas that were rejected? It sounds like idea sessions are quite gnarly because one of the rejected ideas was quote an eight heads tall live action Mario providing live commentary throughout the game which was subsequently rejected as boring. <laughs> well, now that I've heard that, Kat, now I'm starting to actually wonder if the development team, like if this entire game was born out of like a group ayahuasca or mushroom <laughs> session, like <laughs> did they all just get really high and start jotting down a, what if we make a game that's like an allegory to getting high and doing drugs by having <laughs> wonder if you take you could take a flower and then it changes everything and it makes everything move weird and do strange things i, I am genuinely starting to wonder if uh if dude you're... literally the first thing you do in the original mario is take a mushroom and then you become huge <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh how does the elephant like does it control does he control differently do you, no. is there a weight there so no, no. he's the same now they all everything controls the same other than uh the 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 yoshis which again are purposely more kind of let's just for lack of a better term call it kid friendly where uh yeah. they they can't they uh can take hits but they do also have the yoshi flutter jump but like nice the, the luigi you know that everybody else handles the same so they all you know uh peach doesn't glide uh you know they all they all do otherwise control the same okay and music was a thing that you weren't exactly impressed with. Yeah, I wouldn't say it, I, it wasn't bad. It's just that the standard has been set so high yeah. for, you know, we, we can all hum like any of the oh major Mario themes. Mm -hmm. And and there are some remixes in here, which like, okay, I, you know, you gotta be 
selective about how to use that at this point. You know, there's only so many times you can tug at our nostalgia heartstrings and, and get a proper response. Like, I mean, the quintessential example with of that just period is is the end of New Donk City in oh, Odyssey. Oh, is, yeah. is one of the single the greatest best video gaming moment of all time. Yeah, it really, I mean, that that was probably the moment that the 10 out of 10 locked in for yeah. me when I was reviewing that game where I, I've, I've, I don't know if I've ever had a bigger smile on my face exactly. Yes. Ever. I'm exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> ever when playing a video game than it's... that moment, which of course was fueled. Like we, it took 30 years to get to that moment, right? Like yeah. we, there was a lot of building to get to that, that, but, but anyway, the music it's... and wonder, there yeah. are some remixes. It it's fine, but it's just it just doesn't it didn't jump out at me like it like it typically has yeah. in a in a Mario game 2D or 3D. Okay. Yeah, were you gonna ask? I wasn't gonna ask anything. I was just gonna say with the Mario Odyssey uh jump up superstar, maybe after several years in the wilderness, that was the moment that I knew Nintendo was back. And mm. gosh, it felt good. It felt really, really, really good at that time. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it, the wonder is phenomenal and I'm so glad we have it. And it, it lived up to the instant joy that it, that it seemed to be radiating on that initial Nintendo direct from just a few months ago. But I, I am at the point, like it, we need, we are due for a new mainline 3d Mario game. Like, oh, yeah, the, clearly the Odyssey team has been working on something. Right, mm -hmm. they have been working on something for a while. Uh, but you know, Zelda got its follow up after you know six years from 2017, March 2017 to to uh, earlier this year. And so I'm just really hoping, like we're obviously not going to get a 3D Zelda game as a launch title for the Super Nintendo Switch. But I am I am just like praying to the Nintendo gaming gods that we're going to get the next proper 3D mainline Mario as a day one launch title for the Super Nintendo Switch next year. Yeah, I I think that is a very good prediction. I would not be surprised if that and Metroid Prime 4 yeah. uh, launch games for for the next That would be a hell of a launch. That would be oh my might God. be one of the best launches for a console just when it comes to first party well, it's tough to top Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey as a one-two punch, but it would be a, that would be a strong one. That would be a strong one for sure. Yeah. It would be, and that's all they need. It would just be like the N64 uh, launch. They only need two games. So <laughs> what I'm saying is we need a new Pilot Wings, Nintendo, please. <laughs> get on that. That would be so. kind of, that would rule, actually. I think Nintendo should dig into some of its lesser-known franchises, just saying. Yeah, Ice Star Climbers, Fox, F-Zero. Kid Icarus has been forgotten since, what, the 3DS? DS? Hello, 1080, 1080 Avalanche, yeah. Wave Race. 1080 Avalanche. What, yeah, what happened to all the racing games? Nintendo was good at that. Uh, mm -hmm. Top Was it Top Gear or Top Rally? The, the N64 one? Cruising USA. <laughs> that was not a Midway, one. Midway <laughs> with the arcade port there, yeah. Wave Cruising Race. USA, you know, wants to talk about music. The worst music you've ever heard. Cruising. Really like orchestra hits and uh, and 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 synthesized guitars. But all right, I had one more question. And if this is too spoilery, please, by all means, just don't say it. But you said that there were some throwback enemies in here that kind of surprised you. Was there anything else that they that gets just a clear nostalgia play that surprised you? 
I mean, no, there they didn't. There was there was no like New Donk City moment where they just like yeah, just went all in on it. Um, but it was kind of nice to see like the I, I showed it in the video review. There's there's a, a couple of stages with the Pokies from Super Mario Brothers two. So like there there are some deep cuts in here. Um, so it's it you know it was nice to see them. You know I, I appreciated like I was saying earlier. There's so many new enemies because we're in the Flower Kingdom instead of the Mushroom Kingdom here, which I think really served this game well and and did help it feel like a proper new game uh, and something fresh. But but we, there's still some you know there's still some uh, some classics and some some deep cut throwback enemies that make their appearances as well. So now I'm wondering if there's a Star Kingdom. Ooh. So I'm thinking in terms of um, the Mario Kart 64, right? Yeah. So you had the mushroom tracks, and then you had the flower tracks. Was it was it the leaf tracks? Was that the third one? I believe um, so. Sounds right. Yeah. And then the stars. So is that where Rainbow Road lives? Can we go to Rainbow Road outside of Mario <laughs> I don't Mario know. Kart? I haven't unlocked all the five-star stages quite yet. There's a few more. There's a lot of possibilities. That I'm, and I know that Star Road was a thing in Mario World, et cetera, but... Mm-hmm. Right. I'm curious. Yeah. The uh, Flower Kingdom actually uh, constitutional monarch, which is makes it very much different <laughs> from the Flower Kingdom. Or the my friend, uh, my friend Bill Mudron did an incredible map of uh, the the Mushroom Kingdom, where he incorporated Mario World and Mario wow. Karts, Mario Kart, and the original Mario and everything. You can go look at uh, at it online, but you would have to expand it to include the Flower Kingdom now. Well, you know. It kind of makes me wonder, and I think there's about a 0.1% chance, but there was always that like extra empty space in Super Mario Maker 2 that never got filled. Do you think that... What, I'll ask the panel. What do you think are the odds that Nintendo says, hey, guess what? Now you can make Super Mario Wonder levels in, uh, in Super Mario Maker 2. 0.0%. Cat <laughs> <laughs> with a definitive answer. I don't That'll know. That'll be Mario Maker 3 on the on the Super Nintendo Switch. <sighs> oh, possibly, yeah. I don't know. I think they could throw it in there. I, I'd say it's 50-50 for me. I think there's a good Ooh, chance that they could coin. try okay. to, like, extend the life of Mario Maker 2 um, before the end of the Switch's shelf life. And it's like, hey, it's been six, eight months since Super Mario Wonder launched. Let's give it another refresh. Let's remind people about Super Mario Wonder to go buy the game if you haven't for some reason because you've been living under a rock or just been living uh-huh. in the Mushroom Kingdom. Um, let's give them a reason. Or the to Rock take Kingdom, a... yeah. Yeah, the Rock Kingdom. <laughs> and so they could add it to Super Mario Maker and do it kind of a cross-promotion kind of thing in a direct. I think I could definitely see something like that being announced in a direct. Yeah. And you could start building levels later today. <laughs> that was my impression of the music. Okay. Ryan, thank you for walking us. I'm actually more excited than I was before, and I was pretty damn excited before. And as far as I'm concerned, tomorrow can't come soon enough. And goodbye to all of the productive things I'd planned to do this weekend. <laughs> That's a joke. I wasn't going to do anything productive. But now it's a very important part of the show. Uh, we are going to fight. We're going to fight about how many dimensions Mario games should actually have. Um, so, you know, roll up your sleeves, uh, put like, like uh, some some Vaseline around your eyes to keep the cuts from getting out of control. Uh, you, we're, we're going full UFC style here. So Jada, step into the octagon and tell us how many dimensions should a Mario game have? 
Mario has less than seven dimensions, it's not worth your time. Whoa. <laughs> no. Mario no. flying through time and space. Exactly. Mm -hmm. History, just rewriting everything. We um, did do Mario's time machine once upon a time. Yeah. That is true. Uh, you know what, for me, I think I'm probably... So Super Mario World is my favorite of all time. I love... Yeah. Super Mario World. There's just something about it. It's just so magical. The stages, how everything's laid out. Um, but God dang, if I don't love me some 3D Mario, like yeah. I think I, as much as I love Super Mario World, and I've probably played it more times than any other Mario, I think that I get such a like more. I get a more surprise and delight when I play a 3D Mario because when I play a 2D Mario, I know what to expect. But when I get into I step into like a new 3D Mario, I don't know what I'm going to get when I when I load up the game. Super Mario 64 blew me away as a kid. And then oh, Sunshine, yeah. Sunshine, despite being, you know, maybe not the greatest. Received, I love Sunshine. Me too. I love okay. Sunshine. I love just that different element. And it's just I feel like, you know, you got Galaxy and Odyssey. And like, I just feel like 3D Mario one-ups itself more so than 2d mario typically does and it just like as much as i love super mario world i love 3d marios more than 2d marios all right i'm gonna call an audible i'm gonna change the prompt slightly if nintendo could only make 2d or only make 3d marios going oh. forward 3d what would it be 3d, 3D. all right ryan same question for you take, and your justification yeah t take literally everything just print the transcript of what jada just said except do a <laughs> control f find and replace put super mario brothers 3 in with super mario world <laughs> but it's the exact same I, jada you could not have set said it better for me i mean it's you nailed it i mean it's yes three is my favorite obviously grew up with the 2d marios because i'm old and 3d gaming wasn't a thing yet uh and the 2d marios are great but yeah it's just the I guess I'll I'll bring this back to what I was saying earlier about the reason that or well a big not the only but a big reason that the Mario games have always I've always connected more with those than than Zelda even though again I love Zelda Link to the Past is my favorite Zelda game ever just for the record but the thing about Mario that I think uh really separates him from from the Zelda games is it's exactly what Jada said is Mario, the 3D Marios have reinvented Mario and the really arguably the platforming genre as a, mm. as a whole every single time. Now, you know, not everybody liked Sunshine with the with the water uh, backpack mechanic. I mean, I, I actually it's love called, Sunshine. Uh, I love the flood. Flood, uh, flood me. I want I want my own flood. Back. But but yeah, that's the thing. It's like every new Mario game is a is a reinvention with I guess the one exception being that we got a Galaxy 2, which was yeah. so good, but... Uh, it's so good, they having, never having made Yoshi, another Galaxy game, yeah. Well, having Yoshi in that game made it awesome, made it extra awesome, but, I mean, that's... On my little Nintendo, uh, my, my Mario platformer playlist ranking that Kat was alluding to earlier that's embedded in my Super Mario Wonder review on IGN, uh, Galaxy is is right at near the top for me it, it like gal well i remember when i first played galaxy it just felt like it it was the complete reinvention of everything we'd ever yeah. known mario to be this gravity mechanic was such a a fun hook it was such a compelling hook and and every time i mean it's it's been every time with that from from 
flood to the the the, the gravity to of course uh cappy with odyssey and and we don't quite get i mean yes the wonder effects are are awesome in super mario brothers wonder but yeah it's it's 3d all the way okay. for me all right cat same question i'm sensing a pattern both styles are valid yes. and bring much joy to mario and but um i'm gonna be a troublemaker just for the sake oh, yeah. of it do it when i played mario 64 in 1996 as a small child i didn't i didn't like it initially because it felt weird and it was a very different structure from the mario that i kind of knew and so it took a long time for me to adjust and of course in hindsight mario 64 reinvented mario and it was a remarkable game and i think it still holds up very well today in fact one of the first things i did uh, to start this year during the christmas holidays was i got up and turned on my n64 and i played mario 64 in my pajamas because nice. i never got an n64 when i was a small <laughs> and i kind of wanted to know what that felt like um having said that i prefer the precision and the platforming the focus on platforming and the precision that you will find in a 2d mario game versus the exploration i think that the platforming is de-emphasized in 3d mario in favor of exploration and joy and wonder and i think that's all very valid but if i just want to play a platformer a straight up hardcore platformer 2d mario is where it's at and it does also include the exploration so it flips the script if anything I would like Nintendo to put as much effort as they possibly can into making the 2D Marios feel as vibrant and wonderful mm. as the 3D Marios to really, truly reinvent the platformer. And I can't wait to see play Mario Wonder because it sounds like it does a lot of that. So, yeah, that's, right. that's where I'm standing. Let's, let's go 2D Mario. I guess that Seth. I guess it's up to me to to break the tie here or to uh to either tie or to tip it in one direction but uh yeah like Super Mario was the first uh Nintendo game that I ever played uh I wrote about it in the column of our super of our favorite Mario games and I decided that that was actually my favorite Mario of all time because I've played it the most it's just it's everything is there that you need and it's not one of those things where you're like you know it's a product of its time like no that game is better than a lot of platformers that have come out since then that are good platforms like it's just it's still rules and so i liked all the 2d marios i like i even like the new super mario brothers i'm i know that i'm in the uh, minority of people but i loved those we used to play them all as a family and just like yell at each other and have a great time because we'd be bouncing off of each other and dying all the time um that being said every 3d mario that has ever existed when it gets announced i think to myself well there's no way they're going to pull this one off and then they do in ways that i could not have possibly imagined like super mario 64 i was like that is the stupidest idea i've ever heard why would mario run around in a big world and then i played it at the toys r us kiosk and it was a mind-blowing experience so i'm going to have to throw my hat into the ring my cappy into the ring and I'm going to say 3D Mario as well, just because I, ne I never know what I'm getting with a 3D Mario in the same way that I do with a 2D Mario. Now, Mario Wonder sounds like it's full of surprises, but I'm 
I still kind of know what I'm getting into with that. One. You know, Seth, uh, that you're kind of making me think of another part of the of my interview with the director and producer of uh, of Wonder. This year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television, uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN and I could watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with like Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now, the director has been around a while uh, for like, I think he's been there 15 plus years. We're talking about the Takashi producer, Tezuka? And, pardon me, Kat? We're talking about Tezuka? Yes. Yes. Uh, and the, the, produce, the producer, whose name also is, escapes me at the moment, um, he's been there since, he's an OG. He's been, he worked yeah. on Mario, Super Mario Brothers, oh, wow. the original. Damn. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and one, one thing I asked about was mentorship. And mm. clearly, everything you were saying, Seth, kind of kind of made me think about this. And obviously, it's all the, the evidence is in all the games, 2D, 3D, or, or otherwise. Nintendo is clearly really good at mentorship. 
Like yeah. this was not an original group of designers who are now in their 60s and 70s, which is what like Miyamoto is and, and that, that original group. You know, they're not all and they're not all working on game. They're not all working at Nintendo anymore. But they they clearly have have managed to figure out a good way to mentor successive generations of Nintendo developers to pass along. I mean, clearly they, they hire talented people, mm -hmm. but that Nintendo essence of what you were talking about with surprising, delighting, reinventing. They just keep doing it, even though it is not the same. It's not Miyamoto in the director's yeah. chair anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's something that that really does feel like a, a, a competitive advantage for Nintendo versus anybody else, because it's not like a, a more, you know, Xbox kind of example would be id Software, which another the original Dooms, one of my personal favorite games of all time. And none of those guys work there anymore. Yeah. It's all gone. And the more recent Dooms, Doom 2016, Doom Eternal, have been brilliant in their own ways, really doing a great job of reinventing Doom for the modern age. Like, you know, it's it's been great. But, but that's... There's so many more... The world is littered with so many more examples of legendary developers of the past that we don't necessarily hold in the same regard anymore. Yeah for mm -hmm. whatever reason yeah. uh and i'm not gonna be mean and yeah. eddie or and name any names but like you can all think of some oh and nintendo yeah. just has a couple right now <laughs> nintendo has figured this out like they clearly do a good job of taking young developers under under their wing the, the older veteran developers and and sort of passing along that what must be just like a way of thinking about games yeah. <laughs> that that even I don't pretend to understand as somebody that's played them for 40 years ish and covered them for 20. But just I don't know. I know this is like I, I've veered the podcast off no way. off on a tangent I love, here, but I love this kind of stuff. Like you're, you're talking it, about yeah. Like, yeah, like leadership. It's, it's just it sounds to me like they have an incredible culture of leaders yeah. who are telling who are showing people how to do something, how to get the most out of something rather than telling people how you know to do something they're showing them the best way to do things. and i think yeah yeah i think you're right on and that's why mario rules and i hope nintendo is able to hold on to that forever yeah. like it, it, it is the yeah. responsibility of each successive generation of developers to to keep doing that to to keep passing that on and 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 hold that that sort of culture maintain it and build it and grow it but so far 40 years in you know we're we're coming up on the the 40th anniversary of the of the Crazy. nes here uh they have done it and it's it really like super mario brothers wonder is the latest evidence of their success at that and it's just i think it's maybe something that that i never really thought about until this discussion on the podcast that kind of makes me just appreciate nintendo more yeah yeah no for sure uh, was it was the other developer you're talking about, Morison? That's the director. The director. Okay. Sorry, yeah, he, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll want to say. I, I remember because I know you did the interview with Ezra and Mori, Morison. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah. But you no, know, um, talent cultivation and just uh, retention is just it's. We see it constantly in the game industry where it's like, oh, 
head developer of this is going off to do their own thing. Head developer is going here. Lead quest designer, lead narrative is going off to do their own thing. And it's just, you, you just have to imagine how many of these franchises that lose these lead people. Some of them, obviously, people want to go off and do something different. Never going to fault somebody for like, hey, you know what? I've made 15 of these games. I'm ready to make something different. Totally fine. Fair. Um, but, you know, there's also some of them that leave because there wasn't a there wasn't enough attention paid to retention or cultivation of the next level and that burns people out and so like again echoing ryan's point kudos to nintendo for managing to do that and i'm sure there's been certain cases of that with nintendo no company is flawless um but they have like almost empirical proof that they are doing what's right when it comes to keeping their franchises relevant and just at the you know at the forefront of the industry yeah yeah we were talking <clears throat> when tears of the kingdom came out there's a lot of discussions about how tears of the kingdom is what happens when you have a development team that has stability and security and stays together long term and is given enough space to create something really really special and that's that's what we got. Arguably, one of the great video games ever made. Uh, I don't want to romanticize Nintendo oh, too sure. much. I wrote a story just last week, uh, just last year, actually, about uh, how Nintendo of America, like the the frustrations within, and how obtuse Nintendo can be. But at the same time, um, in Japan, there is this uh, this bar that is run by a former Nintendo employee and it's members only. And it has filled with memorabilia and all kinds of Nintendo alumni come through it. And I would like to go to there someday. It sounds really, <laughs> really cool. And it's it says to me that if you work in Nintendo of Japan, that it stays with you in, in some way. The appreciation of the, the history of this very, very old company, that the culture, the people that you're around. And, I think that's neat. Yeah, I agree. That's why it's a 135-year-old company. They figured something out. So, yeah. Lifetime employment is what they figured out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we were able to talk so positively about Nintendo on this podcast, of all podcasts. It seems like the perfect <laughs> fit. But um, So we've talked about uh, Super Mario Wonder, how awesome it is, how I'm excited and hoping it's going to become one of my favorite mario games of all time but we put the call out for audience participation we wanted to know what the audience's favorite mario games were we were going to do this last week we ran out of time this one is dedicated to reb who's not here this is from alex hello nvc i've been listening to you guys for years excited to write in for me the best super mario game has to be super mario sunshine what oh my god oh. i got it for christmas in 2002 yeah. i played it for hours and hours i found all the secrets what that's bananas to me to find all the secrets because i anyway uh i read the guide manual like a book what i love about this game is how different it is there's no super mushrooms fire flowers or even a superstar but you have to learn how to utilize flood and that adds a whole new actually jada what does flood stand for because i can't remember Oh my goodness. Uh, I'll, let you, I'll let you think on that. And that adds a whole new level of challenge, especially when you lose it in the secret courses. It keeps you looking for new ways to play. And the soundtrack will always be one of the best. I 100% listen to Delfino Plaza themes sometimes when I'm working on like one of those 10-hour loops 
uh, on YouTube. So um, uh, I've lost my place. And the I think about Sunshine, Sunshine, it, I, so I agree. Like I love Sunshine as well. Uh, it is near and dear to me, despite the fact that it's kind of seen as the maybe, you know, second class 3D Mario game. It is a vibe. Like yeah. that game is a, it is a summer vibe. Yeah. And I love it for that. Yeah, and it's it's a summer vibe without Mario being shirtless. We'd have to wait for Odyssey. For <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, Alex says thanks for again for being the best Nintendo podcast. I mean, yeah, flattery will get you everywhere. Can't wait for Super Mario Brothers Wonder. See you all in the Flower and Mushroom Kingdom. So, thank you, Alex, for shouting out Sunshine. I think um, I think we can all agree it's not the best Mario game by any margin, but it is. It is that it like Ryan, like you said, it has that vibe. It is such a weird departure. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I love it a lot. I really enjoy playing that game. So, all right. So I had, to, I had to look up the first two letter, the first two words of flood. I remembered ultra dousing device, but the first part is flash liquidizer. Oh, nice. Which I did not remember that they use liquidizer in there, but you know, I guess that makes sense. Uh, Queen did the soundtrack for that movie. It's basically a, a giant humidifier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where is the flood? We haven't seen the flood since. Bring the bring the flood back. All right. Uh, hello, Super Nintendos. Uh, oh, this is from Hayden Murray. Sorry. Hello, Super Nintendos. My favorite Super Mario is Super Mario World. A large portion of why it is so special to me is how I got the console. I remember mowing lawns and doing chores and just about anything I could to get money to pay for it. Each Friday, like clockwork, my grandparents would drive 40 miles to the Burger King for a Whopper. Wait, what? And then to Walmart for groceries. Man, I like a Whopper, but I'm not driving for... Hey, you know what? Shout out to your grandparents. Each week, I would take what I had earned, begged for, and put a little bit more on layaway. I had a huge bundle of receipts all stapled together. It was a huge deal when I finally got it paid off and took the SNES home. Since I only had Mario, I beat it again and again, never tiring of the levels and music. Grandparents are now long gone. Shout out. Uh, but I'll always have those Friday Whoppers and incremental payments on the first console I ever bought with my own money that and the best mario game ever made um for mm. those of you who are too young to know what layaway is <laughs> you used to go to a store and you would bring them a product in the in the customer service area and you'd say hi i'm going to give you five dollars for this and then for the next 38 weeks i'm going to give you five more dollars until it's all paid off and then they would hand it to you and i remember as a child very many times sitting in that awful customer service section of a jc or a sears or another like you know, retailer that's kind of gone by the wayside while my mom paid for yeah. like a record player or a, a chair uh, in increments of like $20 a week. So well, there it is. We can all agree at Super Mario. That, that uh, letter makes me, gives me a feature idea for IGN. We should do, because I guarantee that it would, it would generate a bunch of awesome conversation. If we haven't ever done this already at some point in the past, we should do like a, a top 10 best console launch titles of all time Ooh. because super mario world oh for obviously sure. made me think of that 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 letter mm -hmm. that we just read but the original super mario brothers is in there yeah. breath of the wild is in there oh yeah halo is in there halo. does um, does smash brothers melee count are we doing launch window games no 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 day one day one, the day yeah. day the console one. came out that's okay like, you, window sports. is is vague and and ridiculous <laughs> we sports another strong contender that's true. Now you got me thinking. Yeah. Uh, oh man. All right. Yeah. That that seems to be another thing that 
games. So it's all Nintendo games, it's basically. It's, there's a and, lot and Halo. It's yeah. all Nintendo games and, and Halo. Halo. Halo Three. That wasn't a that wasn't a 360. <laughs> no, game, that no. came later right. on the 360. Yeah. The 360 had a a very good launch lineup, but no like single killer app. Okay. You know that just reminded me of a feature that I f- forgot to pitch for a video uh, where I sit, where I claim that the Xbox 360 is the most important of the modern consoles. So anyway, let's go on to this is a Nintendo show. Uh, Joseph Piedmont, uh, who's a top contributor on Facebook, by the way, removing the nostalgia goggles. New Super Mario Brothers Wii, or excuse me, new Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe because it's 2D HD Mario on the go. The original on the Wii U was the culmination of over 25 years of Nintendo design, Mario levels, and features some of their best now portable. The multiplayer is the most fun I've had on the Nintendo Switch, and I know there are some strong feelings about new Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe. So if you have them, speak now. We're going to hit the Miiverse right now. Ryan, if you're not aware, Miiverse is just where we, we give a little insight into who we are as human beings and the lives that we have, what games we've been playing, or something else that's interesting happening in your life. And Jada, I would like to start with you because you have a Luigi hat on, and therefore I have to call on you first because you're bringing attention to yourself. For sure. Uh, okay, so I've got two that I've been playing that are actually, I'll do three, but one's going to be super quick. Uh, F-Zero 99. Nice. Oh, I haven't played the new got, ones. How are they? Uh, I haven't actually gotten to the new courses oh, okay. yet. Um, but I hit. I ranked up to B-Class the other nice. uh, last week. So I'm making my way up through the ranks. No, Jada, uh, so you're all class. I'm all class. Thank you. I'm still trying to get that, that first place finish, though. The best I've done is ninth. I can't it's, do it. It's so tough. It is. Um, and then I put. I started playing um, Luigi's Mansion 3. Um, oh, I love this it. one off for some weird reason. I just, you know, had a, a code sitting in, like, my Amazon digital library from a buy-to-get-one-free <laughs> sale from a couple of years ago. And I booted up and started playing, and I was like, why is this game so gorgeous? This is so such a beautiful looking Mario game. It just really threw me off. I was not expecting um, to be as gorgeous looking as it was. And I'm really enjoying the mechanics of it. So I'm really happy to that like Luigi's Mansion it like needs to keep going. I just I freaking love everything about it. The humor, the style, just everything is great. Um and I think I last... reviewed that game for IGN, if I remember correctly. <laughs> and yes, I, I I share the love of it as well. It's so good. And they just did such a good job with it. I'm still very early in. I think I'm like maybe three hours into it. But man, just fantastic. Um, And then another one that I've demoed and played a little bit more of in my spare time is one called uh, uh, Song of Nunu, a League of Legends story. Um, It's just very cute kind of action platformy game where you're traveling through this like icy world as a couple of League of Legends characters bumping into other ones. Um, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, and I actually just put out a news piece the other day, so I'll plug that now. But it's got we just we debuted a, a new music video for them. It's a bop. Go listen to it. It's okay. up on IGN. Check it out. You play League of Legends, or are you just playing oh, yeah. this? I didn't know oh, that. Yeah. I shouldn't be surprised at all. League is one of my is like in my top five for my like favorite games. Oh damn! Wow. wow. I don't understand the appeal of MOBAs whatsoever, and I've tried. Okay, that's not fair. <laughs> Ryan, what about you? What have you been up to lately? Well, as uh, as all of you know, uh, working at IGN, when you are reviewing a game, <laughs> typically the deadline is is a something of a crunch. You don't usually; it's not like you have a month to just casually stroll through through the game. Uh, so it has been all Super Mario Brothers wonder for me 
for the past, uh, well, I don't know. I guess we're not supposed to say when we got the game. Nintendo gets uh, and other other publishers too tend to get the strange about that. While, but yeah, I, that has been that has been all I've been doing is Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and thankfully, as as evidenced by my nine out of ten review, it's been time that I very much enjoyed. Awesome. But I will say, uh, in in kind of winding down for for bed at night, uh, I've been I went back to I'd taken a break from it for, to read something else, but uh, I'm trying to finish up the autobiography of. John Romero was talking about Doom, the original Doom being one of my favorite games ever. He wrote a memoir and it's really good. It talks about kind of his whole life from, he grew up in Southern Arizona and and his sort of whole family background and his road into being a self-taught programmer and eventually linking up with the other guys to form id Software and uh, the the just meteoric rise after they made Doom and it just became they were an independent developer it's not like now where i mean there are indie developers now obviously but but doom was the biggest thing on the planet oh yeah and they kept all the money there was no (laughs) publisher involved that they had to split the money with so there you go they they were buying ferraris for themselves and living the kind of rock star rock star lifestyle so uh and now i'm i'm at the i'm kind of at the end of the Quake years, right, right as he leaves id Software after Quake One. So I've I've really enjoyed reading about his life as somebody that has been a big fan of id Software's games since the beginning. Yeah, the the more I learn about John Romero and like the the algorithms that he was able to just create, the more I think he's probably not of this planet. He or he's, he's also I will add uh, an incredibly kind person. I've I've met him a couple times. Uh, it's been a while, but when when Doom was celebrating its 20th anniversary, so that would have been 2013, so I'd been ago. at IGN for a, a year and a half, uh, <laughs> I had this idea of like, it, you know what would be cool to do a Let's Play of Doom with John Romero for the, nice. just it, basically interview him while we play, and he totally agreed to it. He came in, and you know, s- some... Some developers, and I'm sure this applies to filmmakers and maybe actors as well, and and other creatives, where you know they 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 kind of don't want to live in the past and talk about the thing that they're most famous for. They're they're they kind of you know not that they necessarily resent it, but they want to be moving forward in their creative lives. John, not that John Romero isn't doing that because he's got a studio, he's making a game right now, but he could not have been happier to talk about Doom, even though it was 20 years ago, and play Doom, and that. I was so happy that that video uh, is up to like, it's up to like 700,000 views on IGN's YouTube. So if you want to check it out, this might even, oh, this is it. This nice. is awesome. Oh uh, yeah, Red job, doesn't mess around. Yeah, and how many views is that? Eight, is that 815,000? I can't quite see it. it looks like clearly, it, yeah. but it's, it's an hour and a half of John Romero oh, and I playing co-op through the entire first episode, uh, which is like the most legend. That was the shareware episode that everybody played called Knee Deep in the Dead. So it's, it's me just asking him and talking to him about Doom for an hour and a half. Anyway, that so rules. yes, I've been reading John's book and really enjoying it, in addition to, of course, finishing up the review for Super Mario Brothers Wonder. What's the right, name? I, oh, go ahead, Seth. I was just going to ask what the name of that book is. So oh, it's can... I've got it right here. It is uh, Doom Guy Life in First Person. Nice. That's, that's a great name. Ryan, I think the only thing that could have made that video a little bit better is if you guys were playing co-op of through Doom on a fridge while you guys were <laughs> <laughs> at, the, at a Lowe's, yeah. If it had been ported to refrigerators 
by 2013. That might have been a slightly more recent, uh, more <laughs> recent development. Nice. All right, Kat, what about you? What What's happening in the Meverse? I'm just going to throw in really quickly that John Romero is a great follow on Twitter if you like video game history. Yes. Uh, I think when Kratika came out uh, from Digital Extremes, he showed the the letters that he wrote to the original developer and the correspondence that he had. And it's just really delightful. But um, a little Nintendo for me right now. I'm fully in Starfield mode. I'm just cranking through it, trying to finish it. I have a spaceship that I finally like. I'm doing an actual good quest line, which is the UC Vanguard quest line. I have given up on building outposts. I don't really care. I'm doing the main story. And at points, this game is absolutely gorgeous, and I'm really impressed by it. And at other points, I'm just kind of like, what a strange game. <laughs> but uh, I will say that at some point, especially once the modding tools become fully available, I think that modders are going to do some really, really special things with this game. Uh, give, it, give it a couple of years, and you could have something truly remarkable. Um, on your hands. I'm really excited to see what the fans end up doing with this. As it is right now, they've already done some good stuff, I would say. There's, there are a handful of mods that I consider just kind of essential, honestly. I'm playing on PC, mm -hmm. especially especially the one where you can pull back and the dialogue so that you're not the camera's not pushed up into their face whenever <laughs> you're talking to them. That, that's a good one. Another one is... Um, making it so that the uh, UI is 120 FPS instead of 30 FPS, so it's not jittering all the time. That's a big um, one. Yeah. I'm playing on this uh, app called Special K, which was introduced to me by John Linneman of Digital Foundry. He's one of the best. Nice. Um, and it adds much better HDR to Starfield. Okay. It looks kind of nice. washed out mm. if you don't have it. Once you play it on Special K, it looks so much better. And playing okay. it in six, 60 FPS is it's a game changer so yeah no i i like starfield i'm enjoying starfield i uh i'm also very excited to have mario wonder in my life so i can change things up a little bit cat yeah. you're missing one of the most important ones thomas the tank mm -hmm. engine he's out there he's somewhere <laughs> oh yeah there. change he's... everything into thomas the tank engine <laughs> yeah so instead of terror morphs you're fighting uh you're fighting thomas the tank engine yeah just do yeah, that get you Sounds about right. Why is everybody obsessed with Thomas the Tank Engine, I might add? Is it just because it's a funny image I to think... mod into games? Is it just a meme? Because I... the faces on all of those trains are, are a little bit too realistic. A little nightmarish. They're a little nightmarish. Yeah. yeah. Long before Thomas the Tank Engine, Stephen King came up with the idea of uh, Blaine the Train in uh, the Dark Tower series, which was basically evil Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, cool. I have not read yeah. that. I thought you were going to uh, drop Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> no, no. Still Seth, read the Dark you... Tower books if you uh, if you never have. It's really good. Seth, aren't you contractually required to have read every Stephen King book as a resident <laughs> of Maine? It's, it's, a, it's a constitutional requirement, actually, yes. But no, uh, I'll say it again. I went to school first and second grade with Owen King, Stephen King's son, and on Halloween he came in and told us a story. So that that's is, awesome. Yeah, because we lived in Bangor, Maine, and he's just like a normal. He's a he's a very he is the ultimate Maine boomer because he sits on Twitter arguing all day, and then he spends three months of the winter in Florida. So like that's what every boomer in Maine actually does. So shout out. And before to you commenters show up, yes, okay, Thomas the Tank Engine showed up in 1946. So maybe Stephen the King, Stephen King was just borrowing from that. Sorry. Oh. 
Yeah. <laughs> that, wow. Long time ago. I did not know that. My Miiverse is also Nintendo. Uh, I'm progressing well in my ham radio license class. I went hey. to the local um, ham, the, what is it? The amateur radio club meeting on Saturday and everyone there was awesome. And they're like, uh, what are you listening on? And I was like, oh, I just have an SDR. And they're like, all right, we have this. What do you have? And the guy's like, oh, I got that. And he's like, I got cable. I got it. Hey, do you need, what are you doing this weekend? We'll come hook you up. So like, I'm going to have a, a whole control center back here where I'm dialing in and listening in on, uh, on the ham radio. So man, it is probably the nerdiest dad thing I've ever done. Um, I'm glad to say though, the class that I'm taking, I'm the youngest person there by about 50 years, but in the club <laughs> itself, there are, uh, members who are actually younger than I am, which is, which is pretty cool. So, uh, I'll be on the airwaves. And also I found out you can get a, a vanity call sign, like you're assigned a call sign. So I'm probably going to get something like W4 R10 or something, you know, stupid like that. If they'll, if they'll allow that, but okay, that was the Miiverse. I'm going to skip the uh, the shout out this week because I had like this real dumb one. And like with Ryan here, I feel like I should be a little more serious than usual because you bring this gravitas with you. Uh, so I'm not going to do the shout, but we are going to go to question block. This one comes from Elliot in Sydney, Australia. Elliot asks, hey, NVC sticks. I don't get that pun, but maybe it's an Aussie thing. With Mortal Kombat 1 on Switch scoring a 3, it got me wondering. What are the factors that would make you give a game a one, two, three, or four? I feel like the ranks five through 10 are more easily definable, but I don't really understand the differences on the low end of the scale. Can you give an example of a one, two, and a three, and a four game? Love your work and bless your cotton socks, Elliot in Sydney, Australia. So I don't think, have we ever given a game a one? I don't believe that we IGN have. must have at some point. The, sure. the, it had to be. I mean, we did it OXM a couple times. Wow. Uh, the, the speed rate? No, not speed rate. What Pulse Racer? If you want to look that game up, Pulse Racer was an absolutely abysmal by every definition racing game for the original Xbox. And then uh, another game we gave a one out of ten to. I think the only other one because it's offensive in every way, including the fact the the uh, subsequent fact that uh, the girls featured in it are underage and that was the guy the game. guy game so yeah those are the two one Ooh. out of tens that that we for sure gave back at official xbox magazine i and i'm sure given ign's history there's got to be a one out of ten in there somewhere so i'm looking gave, at our, uh... i'm looking at our reviews right now um going back as far as it's in our database right now so we've given out decimals below one as well as <laughs> what? zeros yes uh, Looney Tunes Zany Race Review got a 0.5 out of 10. Wow. Um, we have also like uh, movies and entertainment are all in here. So the review of Agent Cody Banks 2 Destination London got a 0.1 out that's, of 10. It's an all timer. That's uh, illegitimate. Then, uh, let's see. Then there is uh, the Olympic Hockey Nagano 98 review got a 0 out of 10. Um, well, funnily enough, um, we just reviewed a little game called Skull Island Rise of Kong, <laughs> which has been getting attention on social media for being just really abject. And Switch port when? We gave it a three, and uh, the verdict was Skull Island Rise of Kong is ugly and full of bugs, but the real trouble is that at its core, it's just boring. It makes no meaningful attempts to do anything new or clever with mindless combat, 
and pointless platforming that make it feel like a worse version of every action game from the last 20 years. So what's lower than that? Well, um, back when I was at US Gamer, we had a one through five scale. And I gave uh, Yaiba Ninja Gaiden Z a one. It's just a really, really bad action game. Uh, terrible humor, terrible art, terrible combat, pretty much irredeemable in every way. Could not recommend it. And it was kind of making a mockery out of one of my favorite franchises. So I, I took personal offense to it a little bit. Yeah. Then um, also Valkyrie, uh, not Valkyria, one of the Valkyria games, not Valkyria Chronicles 4, but there was a, a different Valkyria Chronicles game that was very boring. It turned it into an action game. I gave that one like a two. I know what you're talking about. I just can't think of it at all. So, though that was kind of, I was going to ask you like individually, what are the lowest scoring games that you've ever give, given? Mm, I think my lowest score, I think is, it was pri pre previous to IGN. I think it was a five out of 10. Okay. Um, I don't even remember what it was because it was just so... Uh, it's just so non-memorable. It was so forgettable. Yeah, I think for fives, me, yeah, are are totally. That's that's what defines them is they're completely forgettable. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, so. For me, you know, to back to the the question block question, for me, for a game to get like a one to a four score, it needs to be almost fundamentally broken, um, basically to the level of unplayable, or it's yeah. just that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, the mechanics are just so tedious or boring or just don't fit together or work um i there's there's you know there's always going to be some jank in games where like oh i need to go you know double jump to this thing but this platform is there's games where the platform is too far away like you literally can't like we did the mario ranking we talked lost levels you know last week yeah right that yep. is kind of that idea like Obviously not to that degree, like of rankings lost levels that poorly, but that idea of where there are some things in a game that are just so unfair. Um, there was like what one of the Ninja Turtle side-scrolling games where it's literally just broken. Like unless you have a specific version of it, there is a gap that is impossible to jump um, in the game. And so like that's the kind of thing that really helps that puts helps. That's what makes yeah. it gets a game to a point of getting it to that like one to four. And like I think our lowest review game of this year is Testament, the Order of High Human, and we gave that a two out of ten. Um, Who did which, that one, Travis? Oh yes, Travis did. <laughs> no, he did. That not. One. Yes, he did. He enjoyed pain. He yes. enjoys pain. Um, and so definitely, if you want to see what you know makes a game get an, a terrible, awful score like that, go read that review um travis reviews a lot of stuff for us so it he's does. got a pretty good um gauge on what makes those games get those poor scores actually he's a he's a lot of people don't know he's a vampire so he doesn't require sleep as long as he's indoors during the daytime he can just play it explains all a lot honestly about how he's able to produce so much it's crazy yeah it's so ridiculous for me uh the one that comes to mind from the oxm years is as far as game i actually reviewed was a really bad, like, kind of wannabe Grand Theft Auto game called 187 Ride or Die. Whoa. Uh, look it up. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just going to leave yeah. it at that. But yep. I think I, I want to say, I don't remember the exact score I gave it because we were on the 100 point scale, the, you know, uh, you know, 9.1, 9.2. <laughs> and I, I want to say I gave it like a two. Now at IGN, 
the very first game I reviewed when I joined IGN was Steel Battalion Heavy Armor. Now, Steel Battalion, Seth, I think especially here, mm-hmm. would appreciate he- uh, Steel Battalion because it was... I this... reviewed that one too. Yes, Cat, nice. this <laughs> incredibly ambitious game from Capcom, exclusive to the original Xbox, that used a, a 40 button custom controller with a $200 custom and it cost controller. $200 and it is it's probably the copies of it must be worth a lot by now I would imagine mm. and it was also a very good vertical tank that's what they called them instead of mechs you know it's a vertical tank it was a simulator like mm-hmm. you, and if you ha- if you if you got you know killed in the game if you didn't eject in time there's a there's a dedicated eject button on that 40 button controller if you did not eject in so time, cool. you lost your save game. You had to yep. start the game over. I so love if, that. If you eject That's in so time, good. you're good to go. <laughs> Just, But if you didn't, that was how hardcore they took it. Now, Steel Battalion Heavy Armor was Capcom's attempt to continue that series uh, in, in using the Kinect. Uh, so you, uh, it was and now it was a hybrid no more. It was a hybrid Kinect controller game. So you'd control some stuff with the controller and other stuff with with the connect and uh i gave that a three out of ten for ign which by our scale so one is unbearable two is painful three is awful four is bad five's mediocre then you get up into okay good great amazing and masterpiece uh and still i'll just read you my verdict on my three out of ten again i just got to ign and here's the first game i'm reviewing Heavy Armor might be Kinect's most spectacular failure, but it's precisely because it's so ambitious. The game genuinely tries to go where Kinect has never gone before, not only attempting to build a hardcore game around the device, but fully committing to do, uh, fully committing to do so in an immersive way. That it's so disappointing is due in large part to us genuinely wanting it to be fun and functional where so many Kinect games are wont to take the easy way out by slapping a few voice commands in there and calling it a better with Kinect product, Steel Battalion Heavy Armor deserves a lot of credit for sticking its neck out in an effort to craft a fresh video game experience. It's one of the best ideas on Xbox this year, but it's also one of the system's worst games. Damn. Oh, it was terrible. Somewhere there's a video of me sitting in a chair, basically miming commands. Uh, because you had to, uh, because it had the little, uh, the, the, the video pickup and everything, and you had to pull levers, but obviously <laughs> often it would not register that you'd so be like, come on, come on, there we go. Or you'd right. like turn around, it's like, oh no, my co-pilot's being attacked. Stab, stab. Okay, there we go. <laughs> it was a ridiculous experience. I had... Well- I had somebody trade in the original Steel Battalion during my years at GameStop or whatnot. And it was a SKU we didn't tech usually buy. So I bought it as something else because I was like, I want this. I want to try this. And it was really cool. But man, it was such a monster that I could, I just didn't end up keeping it because it was just so much to yeah. between all the moves I was doing at that time in my life. And now they're valuable collector's items. Cat, mm-hmm. we have about 30 seconds left. And I want to know what the worst game you ever reviewed was. Oh, I mean, it might be that one, actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who I reviewed it for, but thank you for reminding me. I must have given it a very, very low score because it is burned into my memory as one of the worst things I've ever reviewed. And yet, also one of the most 
enjoyably silly so yeah sure yeah i uh i didn't even know that game existed until today i'm sorry i'm very familiar with steel battalion because that was a game i was always lusting after but the lowest scoring game i ever reviewed was for ign it was final fantasy crystal chronicles remake for switch i think i gave that one a four that game is really really bad and people were really mad at me because i gave it a four um but go and play it when you were like eight and you played it maybe it seemed fun but it's not fun it's bad it's a bad boring game isn't the online play broken on that one it was uh, that was the time. other thing i think it's yeah. fixed now but yeah i think it was broke it was definitely broken at lunch well unfortunately we are out of time but ryan thank you for joining us on nintendo voice chat this week we appreciate you we appreciate you coming to talk about super mario wonder uh everybody out there listening all the ninfrendos if you could do us a favor leave us a like and a nice comment if you're watching this on youtube if you're listening to us on a podcast app go into the reviews give us a five star review wink and a big thumbs up that helps spread the good nvc word but uh jada ryan cat thank you all for being here and remember nintendo voice chat is the only podcast where you can Get the thing. Get the thing. Get, get the thing. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.